Hey, what's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. We're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And tonight, we're going to talk about 2 Timothy 2.24, about the man of God. And we're, if you've read the show notes or if you read the description, you know that we're going to talk about, you know, is this passage taken out of its context? Is it used wrongly? Does it actually mean what it seems to be saying that it means? And quite frankly, I didn't put this in there, but what about arguments? You know, is it a sin to argue? And uh, as we're uh, letting Facebook build my audience and everything like that, I do record these, and I put these podcasts on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio, and we would love for you to be the algorithm for us. Uh, what we would love for you to do is tag your friends, share the show, share the podcast even, if you can copy the link and paste it to your profile, and that will help Facebook and Podbean and Apple Podcasts and Spotify and TuneIn Radio Put our content in front of people who share similar interests as yourself. And our content will grow, grow, grow. And that'll help everybody. That'll help digitalbiblestudy.org. That'll help Cogitations. That'll help the 2 by 2 podcast. That'll help what Paul Mays is doing. That'll help what Dale Broking is doing. And Jonathan Jenkins, Eric Owens. It just helps everybody that's involved. If you make sure that every time you see something from... Uh, people that are associated with digitalbiblestudy.org, watch it for a little bit if you can't watch it all, share it, and maybe even tag some people that you think might enjoy it. Now, this is obviously not the Digital Bible Study Connect. Uh, Jonathan and Eric are taking a week off. Um, I do I do my cogitations every day, so I'm just going to keep on going, and um, I'm, I'm just glad you're here. Uh, so Gwen Cooper and David uh, Stambersky, Valletta Ram, and Debbie Mangus, we're so good to see you. We're so good to see you. It is so good to see you, and we are glad you're here. I guess I have a mouse in my pocket or something. I guess we. Anyway, me, myself, and I, we're all glad you're here. And uh, anyway, looks like Salem, Alabama. Deborah O'Neill's in the house. And uh, yeah, awesome. Well, listen. Uh, as you know, Aaron Dotson, all right, let me, before we get into the meat of our podcast, look, we want you to do all the support. Well, I mean, we want you to do all of the, the algorithm stuff, like, share, subscribe, push the notification bell, but we would invite you to consider supporting us, uh, either as a podcaster, you can support me directly and that's www.patreon.com forward slash near churches. You can also support, uh, digitalbiblestudy.org. And, um, anyway, that's, we would love for you to do that. And if you want to do that, reach out and we can, we can let you know the particulars of it. And if you're listening to this after the fact, the way to support the Cogitations podcast will be in the show notes, uh, on the, when the, when the episode is archived. Now, let's get into the meat of our podcast. As you know, Aaron Dotson, a good friend of mine from quote unquote, back home, uh, back in Arkansas, we have this show called Christianity Now, and we focus on contemporary issues 
that are that the Lord's church is facing, or maybe that 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 are plaguing the Lord's church. And this morning we had a we watched three videos from TikTok about some contemporary arguments surrounding abortion. Listen, I don't suggest anyone get the TikTok app and put it on their phone just for recreational purposes. It's bad, but it is a way to keep your finger on the pulse of society and what is going on in the world. And quite frankly, we're commanded to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. We're to understand what the will of the Lord is, and we are to redeem the time because the days are evil. We don't need to waste God's time. We need to be as effective as we can be out in the world. So what that means, we need to know what the world's doing. Buddy, it's it's in the public sphere on TikTok. You name it, you can find it on TikTok. If it's a trend, if people are doing something out in the world, they're making a video about it and putting it on TikTok. Now, the one of the videos was about was from a young woman who was using Numbers chapter 5 to say the Bible was pro-abortion. And of course, this one guy, he he quote unquote stitched the video, which is a, a feature on TikTok. You can take somebody's video and you can make a video of your own alongside it, stitched together, as it were, and you can rebut their video, you can comment on their video, you can react to it, and it, it's it's really neat. Well, what this guy did, he just rebutted the video. And I noticed the gentle way he handled her. It, we all need to strive to probably, well, I say we all, let me just, I need to strive to be more gentle, I'm sure. I have a, I have a habit of just speaking right out of the front of my mouth. And um, sometimes if it's the truth, it's the truth. And I don't mitigate it and I don't soften it. Maybe sometimes I ought to soften it some. I don't know. I'm open to, I'm open to that possibility. But that got me to thinking about the times over the years where I have seen people use 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, to basically say that Christians shouldn't even argue with people. And I don't understand that. And it's kind of a way to, to, to pearl clutch and to virtue and to signal your own virtue. Um, let's read the text, and then let's talk about it just a little bit. Incidentally, some of you have come in. Katie Smith, so glad you're here. And uh, Leslie O'Jordan, Massachusetts. Uh, Leslie O'Jordan's in the house. Good to see you. And Dale Simon, uh, glad to see you're here. And uh, anyway, let's get into it. And uh, uh, did I say Katie? Katie, I hope I didn't overlook you. In fact, Katie, you've got a message from, or I've got a message from you hanging out uh, that I need to, you sent me a video and I need to watch it. I've been busy. I hadn't had a chance to watch it. All right. Let's read the text here. This is 2 Timothy chapter 2. Um, I'm going to start reading in verse 22. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, without those who call on the Lord. Out of, or excuse me. Let me back up. Flee also youthful lust. But pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, 
knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Folks, there's a lot of stuff going on in there. And uh, first off, there's people who have been taken captive by the devil and have been conscripted into the Satan's army to do his will. That's scary. But I want to focus on this idea of the man of God must not quarrel. The King James says strive. The man of God must, or the, the servant of the Lord must not strive or quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. There's no getting around this. This has to be done. This is a must. But what does it mean and what does it look like? Because obviously it cannot mean what some of my brethren think it means as how they use it. I think sometimes my brethren, they have this idea of, well, I can argue and I can offer dissents. I can offer dissenting opinions and dissenting viewpoints. But you, per- you person, you over there, you can't do that because that's quarrel. The, 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 the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, and you're quarreling. I can do it without quarreling. I'm like, well, that's, um, that's debatable, okay? But it can't mean that we cannot ever argue. Let me, let me tell you why. I'm going to go all the way back to the book of Acts. And Acts chapter 19, this is verse 8. And he, that would be Paul, went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. The the word there, um, well, let me make sure. I, I can't remember if it's reasoning or persuading. I think it's reasoning is the word that I'm looking for. Bear with me just a second. I'm pulling out my trusty, rusty e-sword. Um, yeah, persuading is not the word. It's the King James says disputing, uh, Um It it means dialogue, folks, and it's to think different things with oneself, to mingle thought with any thought, to ponder, to revolve in mind, to converse discourse with one, argue, discuss, argue. Don't you think that there were some pretty heated debates in those Jewish synagogues that Paul and company would go into? I mean, after all, Paul was telling them that the Messiah is come and they need to stop following the law of Moses. Don't you think there were some heated debates? Do you think Paul was was a hypocrite? Do you not think there were some arguments there? Well, that, that there was argument. That's what the word means. It literally means to argue, to debate. So 2 Timothy 2.24 cannot mean what some of my brethren think it means. If you, and, and, and here, here's the way this usually plays out, and it usually, folks, it usually plays out on Facebook. Let me tell you what happens. 
somebody will put something on Facebook that somebody will disagree with, and that person will go and they will offer a dissenting opinion rebutting what was put out in the main post. They'll do that in the comment thread. And the person that made the thread, that made the original post, he will go and he will react to and rebut the rebuttal from the outside individual. For instance, years ago on Facebook, I put a post and I asked a question. How many... uh, Hold on a second. I can't remember how I asked it now. Yeah. Can an elder be an elder and not have a wife? Does an elder need to be married in order to be an elder? Does a man need to be married in order to be an elder? I think is what I was getting at. I can't remember exactly how I phrased the question, but it was very specific the way I phrased the question. And I was really speaking about these Mormon missionaries that come around that wear the name tags, Elder John, Elder Bob, Elder. And they're like these 16-year-old kids. Like, you're not an elder. Like, the word elder, even in English, implies old. And, and quite frankly, the word, the, the Greek word from the, that, that the word elder translates from Scripture, it, it carries with it the idea of age. Whenever I put that post out there, there were some folks that, that were like, no, an elder can't be an elder without a wife. An elder's got to be married. Got to be. Some, some people were copying and pasting the Scripture. Um, must be the husband of one wife, all that good stuff. And then somebody made a post, and they said, someone made a comment, and they said, well, it depends on whether or not he was an elder before or after he lost his wife. And I'm like, well, what are you getting at? Like, first off, that's not even what I'm talking about, but um, I went into the comment section, I started talking with this man, and we went back, back and forth several, several times, and then three or four people kind of dogpiled on me and said that an elder can absolutely serve as an elder if he doesn't have a wife, as long as he had a wife when he started being an elder. In other words, an elder doesn't have to be the husband of one wife if he had a wife when he started being an elder. And I'm like, the scriptures just don't teach that. That's ludicrous. You can't get that from scripture. And all I was doing was defending my point. Yet. I was attacked as the bad guy. That was that was actually an example brought up to try to prove to me that I am quarrelsome. And and it's it's that post that caused me to develop this this method of interacting with people on Facebook. If now if if I make a post on Facebook on my timeline and I don't ever hear from you, you and I don't ever talk to one another and you only show up to argue with me, I just block you because I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not, you're, you're, because I found that people who just show up to argue, they're the kind of people who, when you defend your position that they've attacked, they will step back, they will clutch their pearls, and they will say, the man of God is not supposed to quarrel. You're supposed to be gentle. I'm like, well, how gentle am I supposed to be? How, how little am I supposed to quarrel? Besides which, you, you came into my house. That, that's the idea. That's what I'm getting at. Uh, we used to be attacked quite often whenever 
it was me and Aaron Dotson and Brock Kendall and Barry Odell and a couple of other guys. We had the We Talk Truth group. Now, the We Talk Truth group is still technically there, but I haven't done anything on it in, in over a year. But it used to be very, very, very active, and it used to be a place where people asked all kinds of questions. And I never had any problems with anybody having any kind of discussions except from gospel preachers. And every time, it's like it, it, it followed a formula, y'all. Gospel preachers would come in. Somebody would ask a question. They would answer the question. Somebody would answer the question in a way that disagreed with their answer. They would rebut the answer, and then it would go back and forth three or four times, and then the gospel preacher would say, you're being quarrelsome, and this, this question shouldn't have even been asked anyway. It just engenders strife. And like, I, I, don't, I, don't think that, I don't think that means what you think it means. Because if it's true, it whoops. If it's true that that's what that verse means, 2 Timothy 2.24, then there's no room for debate. There's no room for healthy discussion. There's no room for healthy disagreements. There's no room to be able to scrutinize the truth. Deborah O'Neill says, since they are quarreling, does that mean they aren't a man of God? Well, Deborah, I actually said that to one of them, and they got mad. They quarreled even more. Anyway, but I'm the bad guy. And, and I, I don't really mean to make this personal. I just need, I need examples, and I've experienced this. And, uh, oh, wow, Pine Ridge, Indian, South Dakota. Awesome. Good to see you, Lorette DeLoves. Lorette D. Loves. Good to see you. But anyway, so I don't mean to make it personal, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not griping or anything. I'm just, he, you know, this is an example of the things that I'm talking about. So when I made that post online and people would come in and they would basically tell me I'm wrong, and when I say, uh because here, book, chapter, verse, then I'm the guy that's quarreling, I'm the bad guy, and I should, well, well, what should I do? So again, if, if, it, if, if it means what these folks say it means and the way these folks say it means it, then how do we even have a conversation with somebody who's lost? How do we have a conversation with somebody who's in error? Like, for instance, you come into church one morning and, and the eldership has a piano up on the dais behind the pulpit. Well, you shouldn't quarrel. You should be gentle. Just patiently wait that out. Just be the example that God would want you to be, and they'll learn from your good example. Folks, I don't buy that for a minute. Like, how, how, how quarrelsome are we supposed to be? What's the level that we're supposed to be able to strive or quarrel before we go into the, go into the area of sin? Are we supposed to strive or quarrel um, like Paul did in Acts chapter 13? Listen to this. This is Acts chapter 13, verse 6. Now, when they had gone through the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul, and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, 
seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, looked intently at him and said, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Folks, Paul, let me tell you something. Paul quarreled, he strove. Is that the past tense of strive? He strove, that's what we're going with. He strove with Elymas. Some of my brethren might say, well, why, why would he do that to Elymas? Don't he know he don't need to strike that man blind? That's violence. He assaulted that man. Don't he know that Jesus is nothing but love? Jesus would have loved him. Well, we know a place where Jesus did behold someone and loved them and said, go and sell all that thou hast and give it to the poor. Then take up your cross and follow me. And that rich young ruler went away wroth, sad. He had very many possessions. Folks, that's quarrelsome. That's striving. Interesting about that word strive. Let me, let me get up my trusty, rusty e-sword and uh, go to 2 Timothy 2.24, and I'll, I'll read you the definition. 2.24. All right, the King James says strive. The New King James says quarrel. The word is makomahi. Makomahi. Looks like macho, really, is what it looks like to me. It is to fight of armed combatants or those who engage in hand-to-hand combat, of those who engage in a war of words to quarrel, to wrangle, to dispute, of those who contend at law for property and privileges. So this is definitely people on opposite sides of a ditch, on opposite sides of an issue, and they one believes they're right, the other believes they're right, and they are hashing it out and scrutinizing their positions to try to come to a better knowledge of the truth. But the, but, but the servant of God is not supposed to do that? Ever? It can't be. That cannot be the case. That's it. Paul went from zero to 60 in five seconds. Incidentally, this, this is not an example, but you remember in Acts chapter, uh-oh. I think it is Acts chapter 11. Where um, the sons of Sceva were supposedly casting out demons, and they, they tried to cast out this one demon, and they said, um, in the name of Jesus Christ, whom Paul preacheth, we abjure thee or some, some effect to that. And the demon looked at him and said, Paul, I know, and Jesus, I know, but who are ye? And then the man that was possessed with the demon beat them half to death, and they ran out of the house. Um, it, was, it was a mess. 
And of course, my teacher from school said the demon proceeded to miracle whip them. Those men got, the sons of Sceva were miracle whipped. Anyway, that being said, I thought that was very funny. Um, talk about something going zero to 60 and, you know, one second flat, five seconds flat. Um, but yeah, so think about that with, and, and again, that, that's, that's a, that's an interesting, uh, example, but we have Acts chapter 19 where Paul said he went in, or the, the scriptures say that Paul went into the synagogues and debated for three months. But when you lick your finger and turn right, listen to what Paul himself says. In Acts chapter 20, I was looking in Acts chapter 19. I don't know why I was doing that. Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 17. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, in what manner I have lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews and how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly, and from house to house testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, look, you know how I have been with you. You know I've been here. I basically said, I've been quarreling. I've been striving for the gospel. Does that mean Paul is not a good servant of the Lord? Of course it doesn't. Of course it doesn't. Let's go back to 2 Timothy. Chapter 2. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. I believe there's your key to interpreting this scripture. People that are hung up on foolish and ignorant disputes, they generate strife. And the servant of the Lord is not supposed to participate in foolish arguments. Now, who gets to decide whether or not an argument is foolish? I put forth to you, my brethren, it is a case-by-case basis. Did Adam, and Eve have a, did Adam and Eve have a belly button? You know, that might not be a vain or foolish discussion. That might not be. That's what, that was our mantra at the We Talk Truth group, in the We Talk Truth group. It doesn't matter what question you have. There will be no accusations of vain, ignorant, foolish questions. Because you understand that not everybody is at your level of knowledge and faith. And so we might have had a person in the We Talk Truth group that had that, that had just been introduced to Jesus and just trying to wrap their mind around the Bible and trying to wrap their mind around the, new, the, 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 the Bible's narrative of the scheme of redemption and that God is in heaven and God created man. And so they're thinking, well, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? How did God work that? And so that needs to be discussed. Now, the greater the level of understanding which can be ascertained through Scripture, the, the less ability someone would have 
to call it vain and foolish. Let me give you an example. The, the whether or not Adam and Eve has a belly button. If somebody is genuinely asking whether or not Adam and Eve have a belly button, we need to be able to discuss that. But we do not need to argue about it. Because does the Bible have anything at all to say about it? The answer is absolutely not. For instance, another example, Paul's thorn in the flesh. What is Paul's thorn in the flesh? The Bible, I believe, is purposefully dark on it. But whether you believe it's purposefully dark for the, for the sake of teaching us a lesson, or whether it's just dark on it because we don't need to know it, it is a secret thing. Well, the secret things belong to the Lord, Deuteronomy 29, 29. So we can have a good, healthy discussion. I know what I, oh, I know. I, I have my conviction on what the thorn in the flesh was. And I'm willing to put it out there, and I'm willing to discuss it, and I'm even willing to defend it to a point. But I will not draw a line of fellowship over it. I will not have a falling out with somebody over it, okay? Same way with Adam and Eve having belly buttons. I have my convictions on that, whether or not they had belly buttons. What about he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved? How hard are we supposed to dig in on that? Well, the Bible has complete revelation about baptism into Christ. So we cannot compromise whatsoever. We strive there. What if it gets a little heated? Well, did Jesus ever get a little heated? Are we not supposed to be impassioned? Now, that doesn't mean that you can be flat-out flat rude. That doesn't mean you can be vitriolic. But I think if when we use this verse as an umbrella to cover anything and any time a Christian argues with someone, I think that we are probably being a self-righteous, virtue-signaling white knight on a high horse. And pride goeth before a fall. And I think we need to be careful. Good to see you, Joshua Donnelly, Marie, uh, Mary Harris. And um, Katie Smith is arguing or quarreling about the best peanut butter brand is worlds apart from the level of importance of whether or not baptism is necessary for salvation. That's exactly the point I'm trying to make, Katie. That's exactly it. Deborah O'Neill says, some things are none of our business, so we aren't told exactly on some subjects. That's the Deuteronomy 29.29. And then she goes on to say, someone would, down through time, would make it a point to promote their thorn in the flesh and make themselves special because they have the same disability as Paul. Deborah, I think that's the exact reason why we're not told what Paul's thorn in the flesh is or was. I guess, yeah, I guess Paul still has a thorn in the flesh. I don't know. But anyway, he, he, he doesn't have it the same way he had it. But, but good point there. That, and I think that's why we don't know it. And I, this, this is kind of akin to something I heard 
I was watching uh, it. Paul Sane pr- produced these DVDs called Voices of the Past, and the very first one has a lecture uh, from Brother Guy N. Woods. And in that lecture from Brother Guy N. Woods, Brother Woods says something to this effect. We don't have the same level of responsibility of understanding all Scripture. Some Scripture we have more of a responsibility to understand than others. And y'all, I've got to admit, when I first heard that, I disagreed with it. But it's Guy N. Woods. What do you do? Well, you better think. And although there might be some things I disagree with Brother Woods on, it's I have not come to those disagreements lightly. But this is not one of those things because I thought about it, I chewed on it, I worked it back and forth for a minute, and I'm like, okay, I understand what he's saying. For instance, the, the pit, the serpent, the chain, and the serpent, the dragon being bound for a thousand years. You know exactly what that means? Do you have to know exactly what that means? Well, the, the answer is no. You don't have to know exactly what that means. I've got my conviction on what it means. And incidentally, that's in the book of Revelation. Now, you are not as responsible for understanding the imagery in the book of Revelation as you are for understanding he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, he that believeth not shall be damned. Make sense? In other words, the easier something is to understand, the more of a responsibility I have to understand it. The harder something is to understand, the less of a responsibility I have to understand it. I think that works that way with quarreling. The man of God must not be quarrelsome, must not strive, must be gentle. Well, how, how do we know where that where that breaking point is? Well, it, it's it's a matter of judgment in every situation. Number one, number two. The more definitive God's word is on a subject the more room I have to dig in and strive because the more important it is for Christians to understand it rightly. The less definitive the Word of God is on a particular subject, the less room I have to strive or quarrel or argue because there is much less um, accountability. There's, there's, what, what's the word? I've lost the word, y'all. There's much less responsibility on the Christian to understand it rightly. For instance, belly button on Adam and Eve. Scripture says zero. I have zero room to strive. Baptism for the remission of sin. The Bible is 100% definitive on that topic. Therefore, I must strive when it comes to that topic. I cannot give an inch. Let me give you an, an example of what some Christians will do, and it's because of this idea of being nice. What will happen is somebody will see a Christian or witness a, a Christian striving with a member of the world about a topic such as abortion whether or not it's acceptable to kill a baby in the womb. And because this is such an egregious sin, 
And because through thy precepts I gain understanding, therefore I hate every false way. The Christian who is debating this person about abortion is impassioned, is incensed. He is striving. The person that witnesses this will be more offended and more aghast at the Christian who is incensed and striving than they do at, 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 at than they are at the idea of a person killing a baby in the womb. It's almost as if there's very there's one commandment that trumps all others that we must keep, and that commandment is quote unquote the eleventh commandment: "Thou shalt be nice." And that's the way this verse, Second Timothy two twenty four, gets used. They 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 rob the punch of this verse and what Paul is trying to teach Timothy, and they use it as a band aid to say, "Hey, you need to be nice." You need to be nice. Well, how nice do I have to be? Do I need to be nice like Paul was nice to Elymas when he was withstanding the gospel uh, and, and trying to keep Paul from preaching the gospel to the proconsul? Do I need to be as nice as Jesus was when he drove the money changers out of the temple? Do I need to be as nice as Jesus was when he told the rich young ruler, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and follow me, take up your cross? Do I need to be as nice as Jesus was whenever he told Peter, you let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, they will both fall in the ditch. You realize the imagery that Jesus was using there? He was using these fools leading one another around and they fell into the latrine ditch and they're covered with human excrement, with sewage. So do I, am I as nice as Jesus there? Am I as nice as Jesus when he says, you fools, hypocrites. You pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin. You leave undone the weight of your matters of the law, justice, mercy, faith. These ought you to have done and not to have left the others undone. You blind guides. You strain at a gnat. You sw- yet you swallow a camel. Hypocrites. Am I, am, I, am I nice? Should I be as nice as Jesus? Something to think about. You see, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that it's a matter of judgment in the moment. And I'm pretty convinced if we go back to my mantra of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, study to be quiet and do your own work with your own hands so that we may walk honestly towards those that are without. we may get more done. We may get more done in the Lord's church. I don't think we should use this verse as a band-aid to just tell people to quit arguing with one another because I think argument is healthy. I don't know. I think I'm done. Yeah. I think that's it, folks. What are some of your thoughts? Um, I, I really love the comments and everything. Um, thank you, Leslie, for that for that good, encouraging comment. She said, very good point, brother. And Douglas says, good evening, DBS brothers and sisters. Brother Tony, hope all is well with everyone. All is well. I'll give you all, a, look, the, the, the podcast, I guess, the meat of the podcast, we're done. Um, 
let's understand. Actually, let me make this one final point. Let me make this one final point. It, it's about judgment. You understand. Well, let's just go there. Matthew chapter 7. This is about judging. And you know this, this is a good verse that gets taken out. Or this is a good verse to take out of context. Anyway. Deborah, I think you're 100% right. Deborah writes, maybe while we argue, we should, we should also listen and try to see where the other person is coming from. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with, what, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Do you see a Christian who is, quote-unquote, striving with someone, they're arguing? Maybe before you just look at them and say, well, you're not a real servant of the Lord, you're quarrelsome, maybe, maybe don't judge them so harshly. I tell you something happened in the We Talk Truth group. In the We Talk Truth group, um, some a guy put a comment on one of my posts. No, that's wrong. I was I was doing a live stream in the We Talk Truth group, and he put a comment in the live stream, and I read it, and I I answered him very very sternly. And one of the folks that was in the live stream chided me over it. And I said, you don't know the whole story. If you'll go over to this other post and look at the things this young man has been saying, you will see why I treated him so harshly or sternly, I guess I should say. I don't mind harshly. Harshly makes people feel some kind of way. I was very stern with him. And after about a minute or two, the guy says, yeah, I saw that. You're right. I didn't have the whole story which was much to his credit. But that's one of the times where if you're only seeing a snapshot and you're not judging with a righteous judgment, you're judging based on appearances, but you don't have the whole story. So it might not be that, it might not be that this person is just striving over foolishness. You may not have the whole story. So it goes back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Study to be quiet and do your own work with your own hands. Everybody, including myself, by the way, could use a little bit more of that. There's just a lot of stuff that goes on out there. There's none of my business. I don't have any control over anybody or anything outside my skin. You know, I don't even, I don't even have any control over the people that live in my house not any real control. They submit to me because it's the godly thing to do and I'm the leader of the household. But I don't have any authority to bind them or, or, or force them to bend them to my will in some way. So anyway, I just wanted to make that final point is before you label somebody as quarrelsome and, and throw out the 2 Timothy 2.24, make sure you're judging with a righteous judgment because I do not want to go before Jesus on the day of judgment and be judged harshly with my level of judgment. I want to be judged with his because his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Mine ain't. I don't give myself nearly so much liberty in Christ as Christ gives me. I've got some weird scruples. All right, now I'm done. 
hopefully I've given you something to think about. Hopefully, if you've, hopefully you won't get so disheartened, disheartened if someone uses this verse against you. You can just say, look, you know, I love you, brother, but go kick rocks. Or I love you, sister, but go kick rocks. You don't know the whole story. You don't know what's all is going on, and you're not judging with the righteous judgment. So with all due respect, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And uh, yeah, that's all I've got here. Folks, um, the work, I, I will say this, I, I, I very rarely bleed my mission work and my podcast work together because I don't want somebody thinking that by supporting me as a podcaster, they're supporting the church. That is absolutely not the case. If you support me as a podcaster, you're supporting me as a podcaster, and um, th- those two things are separate. Um, but I will tell you a little bit about the work up here. The work up here is going wonderfully. Um, it will not be long before we will not need any outside support. We are in the stage where we need to start looking for uh, ways to build a building. We need a building uh, uh, that can hold. It would, it'd be nice to be able, honestly, it would be nice to have a benefactor, a, a rich benefactor, to say, hey, I'm going to help you out greatly. And we, to have a big building, um, to have a big building where we could have, where we could hold 120 congregants. Um, we just keep growing incrementally. It's not fast. But if we're going to build a building, we might as well build one that that is future-proof. And uh, we're really to the point right now where if everybody shows up, we don't have enough seats. So uh, I'm really excited. It's a good problem to have, folks. And uh, there have been so many times where we should have packed up and gone home because we didn't have the support and didn't have the money. And lo and behold, somebody, uh, well, there, there's a congregation that the only reason they know about old Tony and the work in, the, in, in Canada is because one of the longtime listeners from Digital Bible Study made, made me known. He, I, it felt like he, he remembered me unto his eldership, and in, in, in the, in last year they sent, they sent the church in Riverview about $6,000. So that that's amazing. But anyway, that's I'm 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 done with that. Understand the work is going great, and if you know somebody who's a a, a benevolent uh, benefactor who's rich that or, or somebody has a lot of connections, we need to get a building built, and uh, that 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 needs to happen. Anyway, I'm going to read this comment from Deborah O'Neill. Eric Owens made the comment once that if we push everything to the back of a verse and pull God to the front, we will always see the gentleness of God in the situation. He used Cain as an example after he made a bad offering and killed his brother. Yeah, I mean, that, that's good, you know. And like I said, it's, let me, let me give you an example. Go read Ezra and read Nehemiah. Ezra and Nehemiah reacted to the same thing two different ways. Nehemiah, Ezra, at the sins of the people, plucked the hairs of his beard out and the hairs of his head out. Nehemiah, he plucked their hair out. He he grabbed at one dude by the scruff of the, scruff of the neck and dumped him out in the yard. Now, what am I saying? Well, 
I'm not exactly sure. I don't know what to make of that. But I do know that we need to take things on a case-by-case basis. And we need to strive, but we need to strive to be gentle. But sometimes we might have to flip over some tables and strike some people blind. And that's, that's just all there is to it. So we, and, and, and we need to be very careful. I cannot stress that enough. I don't want anybody to listen to what I just said there and take that as a license to be offensive with the truth and to run people off just, just because they have a superiority complex. All right, folks, thank y'all so much for everything. Uh, remember, uh, subscribe to my podcast, follow the Cogitations uh, Facebook page, uh, subscribe to the Digital Bible Study YouTube channel if you haven't, and be the algorithm for us. Share the content, interact with the content, tag your friends, and I'm going to close out. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations, powered by digitalbiblestudy.org, and we will catch you on the flip side.